about you. I know that in the beginning of the year, every time you kind of come to the calendar turning to a new year, one of the things I like to do is kind of review my past year. Look back, hey, what are some things I noticed? Uh, what are some things I want to change for this upcoming year? And one of the things I noticed when I reflect back on 2018, in fact, this actually goes beyond 2018. This goes for the last number of years, where I find myself saying this all the time. You know, this is just a busy season. It will slow down when the next season comes, right? Anybody, anybody find themselves saying that? You know, last spring, last spring, okay, we have five kids. All five kids were in sports. There was two track teams. There was two baseball teams. There was a ballet, uh, it's not a team, a ballet squad. I don't know whatever you call it, class. Uh, then uh, on top of all the family sports we had, we had our five-year celebration as a church last spring. We had Easter coming up. It made for a really busy season. That's why I said in the summer, things will slow down when summer hits. And then summer hit, and kids are out of school, and you think that should be easier, but it's not, because then the kids are home. They want something to do. Uh, We had vacation. We went to the Oregon coast. And then on top of that, we decided we need a yard. So I started putting in a yard. So my summer was really busy, and I thought when fall hits, you know, then things will settle into a routine. Well, then fall hits, and is that the way it works? No, you've got kids in schedules and new school systems and, and new sports teams and still got a ballet squad and you've got all these things going on. And then uh, my wife went out of town for a couple of days, so I was home alone with five kids and we survived. Uh, and then I thought, well, you know, this season will get over, then we'll get into the Christmas season, right? And isn't that like the busiest season of all for everybody, Right. And so I find myself, it doesn't matter, I, I anticipate life slowing down, but find it never does. Anybody, anybody like, that's you, you're like, yeah, I, I look forward to things slowing down, but it never gets to that point. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to take just a little bit of a, uh, a survey, informal survey, by, by raising your hand. Okay, I want to know, is this just me? Am I the only one weird person here? Or maybe some of us all fit into the same category. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I want you to raise your hand. If this is you, okay? So number one, occasionally or pretty often, do you feel stressed out? Raise your hand if that's you. Occasionally or or pretty often, do you feel stressed out? That's good. I'm not alone. I'm glad. Uh, Number two, you know, as you look at maybe your credit card statement, you see these Christmas bills coming in. You look at the winter season and your utilities, they just continue to go up in price. So how many of you would raise your hand and say, occasionally or, or sometimes I feel uh, financial te- tension. I feel financial stress when I look at those finances in the situation. How about this one? Uh, when you're looking at your life and you're, you're thinking about, about this, how many of you would say pretty often or maybe sometimes you wish you had more time to spend on yourself? Or maybe you wish you had more time to spend with the people that you love. See, I think the cool thing about taking this general survey is I think every one of us had our hands raised at some point. Where when we look at these issues, we all find ourselves on that level, to, on that scale from a, a varying degree. We live in a culture that encourages us to push the limits, do we not? I mean, we live in a culture that, that tells us, you've got to do more. You've got to more. Go, go, go. You've got to accomplish more. You've got to buy more. You've got to do normal. You've got to do more. And what's crazy is this has become our normal, right? Like, it's insane what normal is considered. 
It's go, go, go. It's do, do, do. It's buy, buy, buy. It's more, more, more. And that is what our, 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 our life is. I mean, our schedules, we live on this idea of go, 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 go. In fact, they have all this technology that came out that's supposed to make your life so much easier, right? You ever bought that lie that you buy this technology, it'll make your life easier? It doesn't. It makes you stupider. It's what it does. When you buy the technology that's supposed to make your life easier, what do you do? You just start doing more. You literally do more. In fact, uh, I read this this week. The average adult, okay, the average adult, the average work week for you is 47 hours a week. That is up four hours from only two decades ago. Okay, you're working 47 hours, and that just is working. That doesn't time include your commute time or stopping at the grocery store and all those other things. Uh, the other thing I read, 60% of marriages, okay, 60% of marriages have uh, dual careers. means both of you are putting in that 47 on average hours a week. And is it surprising that when we look at marriage statistics and people, when they talk about uh, some of their greatest concerns and greatest uh, challenges in marriages— Is it a surprise that one of the most common things is people say a lack of time for one another? Because we're go, 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 go. And we impose this crazy schedule on our kids. Where not only do our kids, not only do they have to go to school, not only do they have to do uh, homework, but parents, we have this fear that if we don't push our kids, that they're going to fall behind. They're going to fall behind and they're going to be unhappy. And so what do we do? We put them in all the activities. We fill their night, they'll fill their week every night with an activity. They've got to be on the all-star team. They've got to go into extra lessons. And so we fill their schedules, not to mention what they do on the weekends. And what happens is we, we fill our schedule with all this stuff. We have all these activities, all these things going on. And what happens when something unexpected comes? What happens when you get a call from the doctor? What happens when you find out someone you love is hurt? What happens when you hurt yourself? It's kind of like you have this schedule where you go, 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 and all of a sudden something happens unexpected, and it's like, man, it just broke everything. Like the train is going off the rails. Like things are falling apart because I can't keep up this schedule that I'm supposed to keep up. No wonder there's stress all over our families. No wonder they're stressed all over our lives. No wonder our kids are stressed out because we impose these schedules that say, go, 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 do, 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 more, more, more. And you know what we do at the end of the day? We think the end of the day, I've been going, going, going. You know what I need to do? I need to to relax. And so what do we do? We do mind-numbing activities. We watch Netflix. We play on, on Facebook. We scroll through Instagram. Those things are Those things aren't restful. We do them because they're mind-numbing, because we've been go, 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 go. And it comes to a point that we have to just disengage at some capacity. So we do that. I mean, if you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Just be honest. Some of us would play Angry Birds, see how far we can get. I mean, that's just what would happen. If, If I were to ask one of you, say, hey, are you enjoying that life? You think about your schedule. You think about all that you're, you're doing are you enjoying that life? The common answer would probably be no, but I don't have time to talk about it because I've got other things to do. I've got other things to go. We live in this society where there is no margin. There is no margin in our life. There is no margin for us to prioritize things and to uh, uh, focus on the important things. 
So this morning, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open up to, to Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10. If you're not familiar with your Bible, if you open up your Bible to uh, the middle of the Bible, you'll see the Old and New Testament. Uh, the second half of the Bible is the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke will be the third, chap- third book of the, uh, of the New Testament. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about margin. Talking about how do we create margin in our lives. I, I think this is one of those things where, where uh, I'm going to preach to myself. And I'm going to assume that you guys are going to get something out of this too. Because this is what I need to hear for my life. Margin is a good thing. When you, when you open up a sheet of paper, there's margins that are intentionally left blank on your paper. That's a good thing. When you drive down the highways... Highways, there are margins on the highway, are, are, is there not? And we are thankful when, there, when our car breaks down, we're thankful there is a margin on the highway where we can pull over so no one's going to hit us. Uh, we, when you fly in an airplane, some of you pay more money to have more margin in first class, right? Isn't that what we do? Margin is a good thing. The definition out of the dictionary for margin, margin is to defined as uh, the amount available, whether that be time or space or money, beyond what is necessary. And Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor who spoke on the same topic, he defined margin as this. He said, margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. That's what margin is. Margin is, if you've got 30 minutes, if you've got 30 minutes, you're going to go to my house. It takes you 20 minutes to get there. That means you've got 10 minutes of margin. A 10-minute buffer. And margin means if you've got $100 and you've got $80 of bills, then you've got $20 of margin. $20 of difference between what you have and what you need. And we're going to have this conversation the next couple of weeks on what does it look like for us to build margin into our lives. Where when we look at our, our time, when we can build margin into our time, where we can prioritize building time in our life, for what matters most. We're going to talk about financial margin. Because honestly, there's a lot of us that don't have any at all. We have no margin financially. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about taking a Sabbath. You know, what's crazy is, is when God gave us the Ten Commandments, these are like the Ten Commandments that we all are pretty familiar. You know, don't lie, don't steal, don't go with girls who do. Uh, I think that's one of those. Those Ten Commandments. He said, honor the Sabbath day. Now, God, the creator of the universe, he took a Sabbath, and we think we don't need one. We think, well, no, it's just another day I'm going to fill with stuff because I have all this stuff going on and all these things I want to do. We're going to talk about taking a Sabbath. We're going to talk about how, um, got to look here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, having a moral margin where, where so many of us, we live so close to the edge. Where if we create that margin, it puts a little bit of, of, of space between, uh, puts a little distance between us and, and temptation. So that way we don't fall over the edge. Because when we understand having margin in our life, when we have margin with our time, you know what that does? It gives us the freedom to lend an ear to someone around us who's hurting. It gives us the freedom when somebody says, hey, can I get your help? I need to move my washer out of my laundry room where you actually have the margin and the ability to say, yeah, I'll help you without feeling like everything's going to be thrown upside down because I have to do something that wasn't on my radar. Margin means that emotionally, when you have margin in your life, it means that emotionally when your kid comes to you and they drop something on you, 
Mom, I did this. Mom, I'm struggling with that. When you have, uh, when you have emotional margin, it means you don't unleash on your kid because you are overwhelmed. It means you can actually engage in that conversation and wade through that with your child because you're not overwhelmed and you have that margin. Margin means that we can focus on spending time with God. Margin financially means that we have uh, the time and money where we can invest in people. We can invest in ministry because we have that margin. In fact, one last uh, idea about margin. Uh, there's, there's a pastor named Mark Batterson out of Washington, D.C. And speaking on this idea of margin, he said, we need margin to think. We need margin to play. We need margin to laugh. We need margin to dream. We need margin to have impromptu conversations. How many of you ever had one of those impromptu conversations where you just met somebody and you had this great conversation that wasn't planned? Spur of the moment, it was beautiful. You need margin to have those conversations. And he said you need margin to... Ha- to uh... Oh, there we go. You need margin to respond to unanticipated opportunities. That when God presents an opportunity in front of us, so many of us are going to say, well, I'm busy. I've got other things to do. Where we actually have to have margin to respond to uh, unanticipated opportunities. And Luke chapter 10, we're going to see two ladies. One lady decided, hey, I don't have any margin. I don't have any margin in my life. I can't respond in this way. And there's a second lady. And she said, you know what? I'm going to make margin. And she responded to one of those unanticipated opportunities. And she got to experience something that, that, that the Bible says cannot be taken from her. She got to experience the best that God had to offer. Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. Here's the story. Now, as Jesus and his disciples, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You've got these same two ladies. You've got Mary and Martha, and you've got Jesus, the the Son of God. Mary and Martha had the same opportunity. But Mary, she created a moment. Mary, I mean, think of all the things Mary could have been doing. Mary Mary could have been doing the laundry. She could have gone to the grocery store. She's got to make sure she has a nice meal to provide for Jesus. She could, have, uh, she could have cleaned. But instead, Mary chose, hey, I'm going to embrace this moment. I'm going to respond to this unanticipated opportunity. I'm going to embrace this time with Jesus. And where's Martha? I would argue that Martha is probably like you and I. Martha is saying, hey, Listen. Jesus is coming. I'm, I'm wigging out. Like, I got to get everything all figured out. I got to get the house cleaned. I got to make sure there's extra toilet paper in the bathroom. Because the last thing you want is to run out of toilet paper when the Son of God is at your house. That would not be good for, for me. Now, I don't think Martha, when you look at what Martha's doing, she's not distracted with bad things. It's not like she's like, oh, I hate Jesus. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. No, Mary, Martha's distracted with good things. Kind of like you and I, where we get distracted from good things without recognizing the best things that are right in front of us. There's a, there's a, a book called The Screwtape Letters, written by C.S. Lewis. If you've never read it, uh, it's a great book. I'd recommend reading it this year. Uh, the whole idea of the book is there's this uh, senior, uh, senior demon, and he's trying to mentor his nephew, um, Wormwood. 
And he's saying, hey, here's how you get a Christian to destroy their faith. Here's how you get a Christian to destroy their life. And it's really intriguing. It's really written in a, in a, in a good way. As the screw tape says, hey, listen, listen. If you can't get a Christian to be really, really bad, what you need to do is you need to distract them. You need to get them distracted. And I think if, if, if Satan were in here today, I think Satan would say, absolutely. If, if I can't get you, if I can't get the church, if I can't get us to be really, really, really bad people, you know, murdering and, and, and all those things, man, maybe he could just get us to be really, really busy. To fill our schedules with all this stuff. To, 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 to focus on lesser things and to miss out on the things that are most important. I don't know about you, but I feel just the hint of conviction in my heart right now. I'm recognizing, man, I'm really good at filling my schedule. I'm really good at making my, sure my day goes from sunup to sundown. But the question is, are we focusing on good things like Martha? Or are we focusing on best things like Mary? In fact, over Christmas break, uh, we closed the office. So I was doing some work from home. I was writing my sermon. I got up early one morning. I'm writing my sermon. And one of my kids came in and said, hey, dad, hey, would you come play a game with me? Dad, come, come play a game with us. Now, my response in my head that morning, sure, that sounds like fun. But you're a distraction right now. Can't you see what I'm doing is really important? I have to preach this weekend. What I'm doing is really important. And I thought that in my mind. And I felt that conviction. Like God just told me, Kevin, you're an idiot. I don't know if God really calls me an idiot. I don't know if that's how he operates. But he could have called me an idiot at that moment. Listen, my son wasn't a distraction. My work was a distraction. The most important thing was right in front of me. And I was too much of an idiot to recognize that. Too foolish to, to say, oh man, this is too important. No, what was important was right in front of me. And see, so many of us, we become consumed and obsessed. And we become possessed by the things that we think are urgent. That we think are, 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 are good things. But we, we miss out on the things that are most important. I mean, that's the situation that Mary and Martha are in. Hey, you've got these good things in front of you, and you've got Jesus who's most important. And here's what happens. Verse 40, Martha runs up to Jesus. Verse 40, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. See, what's, what's really sad is Martha is convinced that what she's doing is right. She's convinced that what she's doing is important. Look at my sister Mary. She's so lazy. Jesus, take my side. Come on, she needs to get up and do all this stuff. And see, one of my fears, one of my fears for us as a people, for us as a church, for us listening to a message like this, is there's many of us who are convinced that the way that we are living is absolutely necessary and is absolutely okay and right. Because we have this, this misconstrued idea that busyness equals success, right? We think as long as I'm busy, that means I'm productive. And as long as I'm productive, man, I'm, I'm achieving, right? Where there are people in our lives, there are moms and dads, there are husbands and wives who wear their badge of busyness with honor. 
Look at me. Look how important I am. I'm so busy. I'm so valuable. I'm so important. It's my honor that I'm so busy. The reality is people are being worn out and they think it's worth it. I can just go, 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 go. And it's worth it because that's success, right? We look around the world around us. We look at our society. Everybody is doing this. You are constantly told, do more, do more, accomplish more. You got to work harder. You got you to keep producing. And we think, well, I just have to keep up. I mean, if this is what the world says success is, I've got to keep up and do those same things. Forgetting the fact that in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, wide is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction. In in Romans chapter 12, we're told, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Listen, if the world around us is telling us, do more, do more, do more, why do we think that they have the answer to God's best in our lives? Why do we assume, hey, just because they're doing it, that's what I've got to do as well. And we're supposed to be a little bit different, right? Here's why this matters. When we talk about margin. Here's why when we decrease our margin, there's two results when we decrease our margin. When our margin decreases, first and foremost, our stress is going to increase. Right? When your margin decreases, your stress increases. Like when you're late going somewhere. What happens when you're late? Stress rises. For some of you getting in the car this morning, your spouse or your child made you late to church this morning. And sometimes you have some very ungodly things that come out of your mouth on the way to church, right? Because you're late and the stress rises, right? That's just when your margin decreases, your stress increases. Think about financially. When your financial margin decreases, again, that stress increases. That's when you start saying to your spouse, you spent what on what? Why did you do that? That's when something breaks, something in your house breaks, and you've got two problems. The first problem, that thing's broken. The second problem, how are we going to get it fixed? When our, when our margin decreases, our stress increases. The second thing happens when our margin decreases is our relational intimacy decreases as well. You've seen this. You've experienced this. You've done this. When you're busy, when you don't have any margin, you start feeling stressed, what do you do? You begin to start biting people's heads off. Right? You're busy, you stress, and you bite your, your spouse's head off. You bite your kid's head off. You bite the head off of the person driving next to you because they cut you off. Relational intimacy decreases. You ever be in that moment where you're with somebody? but you're not really with them. Like you're present, but you're not present. Like, like, like they're talking and you're nodding your head and you're in agreement, but then you walk away and you're like, I have no clue what the person was even talking about. Husbands, we're guilty of this all the time, right? Wives said amen. I heard one amen over here. In fact, now, uh, one of the things I enjoy, I enjoy the coffee shop. And I enjoy uh, working at the coffee shop because I like watching people. And this couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity in the coffee shop. I'm working and I watched this family come in. I'm like, oh, this is so cute. Family of four, they're coming to get coffee together. They're sitting around the table. How cute. Except all four of them were sitting here typing something. One of them's texting. 
One of them's emailing. One of them's Facebooking. And one of them's Twittering. Look, we're having a great family time. No, you're not. You're playing with your little Twitter. Like, that's not family time. That's not family time. You're all busy doing something completely different. Where we can be present without really being present. Right? Happen spiritually as well. Happen spiritually. Where we come into church and we hear all these worship songs, these beautiful songs that the worship team leaves us in. And we're singing the songs. We're raising our hand. But do we actually ever think about the words that we're singing? Do we ever think about that lyric, I am a child of God? That he split the sea so we could walk right through it. That we are alive and here today because God has orchestrated things in our life to, to bless us and to lead us to this point. Do you ever think about that lyric, I am a child of God? As a, as a pastor, I'm out in the community and, 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 I, and I run into people. I'm like, oh man, I haven't seen you at church in a while. Like, yeah, sorry, pastor, I've been, I've been busy. Okay. Well, how's, how's your relationship with God? Are you growing? Well, you know, pastor, you know, me and God, we used to be really tight. You know, I was praying all the time. I love to read the Bible and, you know, we're just really tight, but, you know, things, I just, I just got busy. And what happens is when our margin decreases, we have no time for people. We have no time for God. There's going to be someone here right now who are thinking, hey, this is a really good idea. This is good advice. And there's some minor changes I think I can make to my life. Listen, let me, let me clarify. I'm not talking about making minor changes. You guys are all bright people. And if a minor change was going to make a big difference in your life, you already would have done it. I'm talking about radical life-altering decisions that we can make over the next couple of weeks to build margin. To give us the ability to experience not just what's good, but experience what's best. Something that can't be taken from us. This is a story. Back in verse 40. Remember, Martha comes up to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, tell, tell Mary to get up and help me out. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And here's the key. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good portion. See, we all have a choice to make. We all have a choice to make. I know, I know. You're going to be tempted to say, well, pastor, you just don't understand. Like, pastor, you don't understand the work demands I have. Pastor, you only work one day a week. What are you even talking about? Pastor, you don't understand the financial stress, the, the, the financial situation I'm in. You don't understand. So when you tell me to build margin, you just don't understand, Pastor. Let me tell you what. The choice is yours. It always has been and it always will be. You have to choose between what's good and you have to choose between what's best. That you have to choose to prioritize things that are most important. The thing that Jesus said cannot be taken away from you. I mean, why, why is it that we don't do that? Why is it we don't choose to have margin in our lives? Why is it we don't choose the things that matter most? Why do we always say this? Hey, I'm going to slow down, but we rarely ever do. I'm going to cut back, but we rarely ever do. Why don't we ever buy the cheaper car or buy the cheaper house so we can have a little bit more financial margin in our life. 
Why is it that we say things like this? Like money doesn't really make me happy. But why is it that we fight and scrape to get more and more of it? Why is it that we should cut our schedule? Spend more time with our kids who are going to be here and out of the house in a flash. But we don't do that. Why don't we do those things? And I think it comes down to fear. I think it comes down to fear. That we have a fear that if I cut back, if I stop trying to accomplish, if I stop doing, 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 I'm going to miss out on the good life. I'm going to miss out on all that this life has to offer. Which is why we have a hard time turning down an invitation or, or, or passing up on an opportunity. Because if we do, we might miss out on something great. Right? This is why we focus all of our efforts and all of our energy and our schedules and our money on, on success and pushing our kids. Because if they fall behind, man, they might miss out on something fulfilling. Really, it's a trust issue for us. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to have enough faith to believe that God is on the throne? That God is in control? That God can handle the details of our life? It's a faith issue. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. This is a faith issue. Do we have enough faith to believe what Jesus said? That if we seek first his kingdom, that all these other things will be taken care of. Do we have that kind of faith? Or do we feel, hey, yeah, I'll do a little bit of that God thing, but then I'm going to go and I'm going to seek these things out to make them happen in my life. Do you have the, we have that fear that if we don't keep going and going and going, that we will miss out on something elusive. Miss out that, of that thing that will fill that void deep in our hearts. I fill that hole. The reality is, most of us in here, most of us, if not all of us, we are making more money now than we ever have before. We also battle financial stress more than we ever have before at the same time. Most of us in here, we have better opportunities to accomplish greater things than we ever have had before in your life. But you are more empty and more exhausted than ever before at the same time. Do you realize that dichotomy? That you've been given more at this point in your life than you've ever been given, yet you are more stressed out. You are more exhausted. And why? Why is that? Because we prioritize things that don't really matter. We become distracted with, with the world mindset of production. You've got to produce. You've got to do more. You've got to accomplish. And we've allowed this, this worldliness to settle into our heart. To settle into our life where it becomes a part of our, our, our life and a part of our faith. That we have this false view that if I have a bigger house, well, that'll help my marriage, right? If I have a nicer house, that's going to make my marriage better. If I have a nicer car, then I'll begin to feel better about myself. If I work harder, then I can get the, pro pr the promotion that will sustain the lifestyle I'd like to live. Or the lifestyle I'm currently living that I can't afford. We've got to have the nicest things. And I've got to be in all the activities because I want other people to see it. I want other people to think well of me because their opinion matters. And for too many of us, our, our, our self-worth hinges on what other people think of us. 
This is why kids, God forbid we, 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 we push our kids to invest in them spiritually. No, we've got to focus and make sure our kids are the best soccer player, the best flute player, because that really matters in life. This is why we focus on, on trying to have the perfect body, because of course the soul is more valuable than the body. Or is the body more valuable than the soul? More, more, more. Accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. Do you know how insane it is? Do you realize that this is killing our marriages? It's killing our families? That there are people all around us that are hurting because they've bought into this lie of more, more, more. Do, do, do. Accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. Here's Mary and Martha. They've got a choice in front of them. They've got a choice to make. Will you choose to make margin in your life? Or will you follow the example of the world around you? Listen, there's going to be some of you that are not going to listen to this. Some of you are going to say, hey, that's really good advice, you know, but you're going to instead choose to conform to the world's pattern and do what the world says and go, 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 do, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. But my prayer is that we, is that you would not choose what's good, but that you choose what is best. You wouldn't settle on what's good, but you would have what God has promised, which is best. That you would find rhythms of grace. That you would choose a good portion that God has placed in front of us. Let's see, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come unto me, all who, are la- all who labor and are heavy laden. I don't know, this isn't the Greek or the Hebrew or my own version. But let me just add some words in there. Jesus says, come unto me, all who are stressed. Come unto me, all who are overwhelmed. Come unto me, all of those who can't get everything done. Come to me, all of you single parents who are about to fall apart. He says, come to me, you business person who feels like you can't keep it all together. Come to me, you mom who has no margin for herself. Come to me. Those who feel insignificant because they're not busy all the time. Come unto me, those of you who have no relational capacity because you're so overwhelmed with life. Come unto me. And what does Jesus say he's going to give you? Come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let that sink in. Come unto me, and you will find rest. You will find peace, assurance, tranquility. Man, I'm not even sure in our day and age we know what rest really is. Rest isn't Instagram and Netflix and and clash of clans. That's not rest. We think, well, I'll go on vacation. And on vacation, I'll rest. But I don't know. There, there's a lot of us in this room, when we go on vacation, we go, go, go. We play, play, play. We shop, shop, shop. And we come home and we're like, I need a vacation from my vacation. Anybody ever done that? Right? Or some of you, you go on vacation and it takes you three days just to unwind from work. And you get halfway through your vacation, you're like, man, I got three days left. And you have to wind back up so you can get back into work in a couple of days. I don't think we know how to rest. I don't think we know how to trust God. 
to believe his word, to come to him and experience this rest and this, this peace that he offers us. Oh, just how I see this in my life. Man, it's been a busy season for us, the last several years. And I find myself, I have a hard time sleeping at night. Now, this has never been the case for me. I'm the guy who can sleep anywhere, in any position, in any place. Uh, the funny story in our family is the time that I fell asleep at a stoplight and somebody had to honk to wake me up because it was a stoplight. It was a stoplight. But in the last couple years, I found that when I lay down at night, probably the first time of the day, I'm alone with my thoughts. When I lay down at night, my mind begins to race. And think through all of these things. It's unhealthy, but you know what I have to do? I have to put headphones in my ears to distract my mind so I can fall asleep and sleep through the night. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. I'm not sure we know what it means for us to be still. On our day where everything is go, 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 do, 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 Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Do you know how to be still? Listen, we're going to have this conversation for the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be really practical on how we can build margin in our lives. But here's where I want to start today. One simple application point. You have homework this week. Every day this week, what I want you to do is I want you to take five minutes. Take five minutes And just be still. Just don't produce anything. Don't accomplish anything. Just be still. Be in God's presence. Just just listen to him. Now some of you are saying, that sounds so easy. Let me tell you what, it is incredibly hard. I tried it this week in the office. The first time I did it, like 15 seconds in, I pulled up my phone. Because that's what you do. There's nothing going on. I need something to do. I'm like, I'll try it again. I tried it again. The second time, 20 seconds in, I'm looking around my desk. Look how messy my desk is. I need to be organized. I need to, I need to do something. Listen, it's going to be a process for you. Would, you. would you do that this week? Would you every day take five minutes? Listen, let the desk remain messy. Leave the laundry undone. Let the kids keep banging on the door. Facebook can go five minutes without being checked. I promise you. Listen, you can't Instagram about this either. But take five minutes a day and be still. Just be present with God. Don't accomplish anything. Don't do anything. Just be in God's presence. Because I think that's the first thing that God's going to do to help us begin to break this idolatry of go, 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 do, do, do. I think this is what God is going to do to help us to recognize, listen, we aren't on the throne. God is on the throne. And we can trust him. Five, Five minutes every day. Just be still. Because when we understand and we create margin in our life, listen, it's life-giving. 
It is life-changing. It gives us room to breathe. It gives us room for creativity. It gives us a quiet space to think and to grow and for God to speak and for God to work. When we have margin in our life, it gives us the, the, the freedom and it frees us to deal with the inevitable mishaps of life. That when our kid comes in and drops the bomb on us, we've got margin emotionally to deal with it. That when something breaks down, we've got margin to deal with it. When we have margin, margin looks in the face of reality and says, listen, I'm ready for you. See, I think our best life, so your best life isn't found in working, 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 going, 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 doing, doing, doing. Our best life is found in the margins. So let's make a commitment next couple weeks. Let's build that margin in our life. Would you pray with me?